I think I can handle myself. You know how to use one of those? Yeah, you pull the trigger. A little bit more to it than that. You got a name? Ray. Ray. In 2013, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy met with director J.J. Abrams to try to persuade him to helm the first new Star Wars film since 2005's Revenge of the Sith. Disney had purchased the Star Wars franchise in 2012 and wanted to create the continuation of the Star Wars trilogy, which began in 1977. Abrams, already involved with Paramount's Star Trek films and desperately in need of a sabbatical to spend some time with his family, intended to respectfully pass on Kennedy's offer. But as a lifelong Star Wars fan, he was curious to hear what Disney's plans were for its future. And when it came to talking about the story, Kennedy said only one thing, but it was enough to change the Star Wars universe forever. Who is Luke Skywalker? That simple question was a spark that set the galaxy ablaze. Abrams answered almost immediately, saying, Oh my god, I just got the chills. I'm in. And shortly after, J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan, the co-writer of The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, began to write the next chapter in the Skywalker saga. They focused on one main question through the early stages of developing the script. What would they want to see in a Star Wars film? And their aim was to capture the spirit of excitement and inspiration of the original trilogy. And that became Star Wars, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens was a global blockbuster, crossing $2 billion in ticket sales and earning its place next to Titanic and Avatar as one of the top five highest grossing films of all time. And as we reach the end of another trilogy in the Skywalker saga, it's important to look back and reflect on why The Force Awakens was a monumental moment in the history of Star Wars and the films. The film reignited a love for all things Star Wars and propelled many fans to become collectors again. And sure, Rey, Finn, BB-8, Poe, and Kylo Ren have earned their places as legends, joining the likes of Leia, Luke, R2-D2, Han, and Darth Vader. But this was never guaranteed. The Force Awakens could have been a colossal failure. And while the original cast was returning for one last story, there was the risk that their characters' legacies could be tarnished forever with a few filmic missteps. J.J. and Lawrence were crossing uncharted terrain, and no one knew what the outcome would be. And as Disney CEO Bob Iger reminded Abrams in an early conversation, the fate of Disney's investment in the Star Wars franchise rested upon the success of this one film. 
In fact, Iger referred to The Force Awakens as J.J.'s $4 billion film, which is equal to the total cost Disney paid for the Lucasfilm property. And while some critics have called The Force Awakens a retread of the original Star Wars film, I believe they are severely mistaken. In many ways, each frame of Episode Seven was a risk, and the film broke from what we previously knew Star Wars to be, or it gave us a new take on a traditional pop culture property. And in walking the finest of lines, balancing for the audience between what Star Wars had always been and what it could become was a feat only a few people could have pulled off. And fortunately for us, two of them were chosen to create The Force Awakens. So here are ten ways in which The Force Awakens pulled off the impossible. Number one, continuing the saga we love. In so many ways, The Force Awakens pulled off the impossible, bringing back Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, and the rest of the original cast was an amazing feat. Star Wars fans never imagined seeing these heroes together in the same film again. And finding out in 2012 that the end of Return of the Jedi was not the end but a true middle chapter in one of the greatest pop culture stories ever told was a dream come true. And while J.J. acknowledged that The Force Awakens would serve as a passing of the torch to a new generation of Star Wars characters for new trilogies, the chance to spend at least one more big screen moment with Han, Luke, and Leia was our greatest hope for The Force Awakens. Chewie, throw them in a pod. We'll drop them at the nearest inhabited planet. Wait, no. We need your help. My help. This droid has to get to the Resistance base as soon as possible. He's carrying a map to Luke Skywalker. You are the Han Solo that fought with the Rebellion. You knew him. Yeah. I know him. I knew Luke. Number two, giving us new heroes we care deeply about. Let's face it, for Star Wars fans who grew up with the original films, any new characters introduced in The Force Awakens would have very little hope of taking the attention away from Han, Luke, and Leia. Sharing the spotlight with some of the most iconic screen heroes ever would be an immense challenge unto itself. But The Force Awakens gave us new lead characters with whom we couldn't help but connect. And the characters J.J., Larry, and company created not only held their own when sharing screen time with our beloved leaders of the Rebellion, but they captured the hearts of fans around the world and reignited a collective excitement that rang through the galaxy. The trio of actors who had formed the new core of the Resistance somehow managed to capture the urgency, sweetness, and humor that made the original trilogy rewatchable again and again. Guatemalan-born Oscar Isaac played Poe Dameron, the best X-Wing pilot in the Resistance, and one who most closely resembled Han Solo in his confidence and wit. His extraordinary talent and ability to lead in desperate times gave the Resistance and the audience confidence that defeating the Empire Reborn as the First Order was possible. 
Early in The Force Awakens, Poe developed a friendship with an unlikely ally, a stormtrooper named FN-2187, who decided to defect from the First Order. Poe renamed soldier FN-2187 Finn, played by a Nigerian-born, London-based actor named John Boyega. Boyega's Finn was the most relatable character in The Force Awakens, and his story was one of the most compelling. He was the everyperson, someone who desperately wanted to do good and who longed for something greater. And through the course of the film, he stumbled into a battle that would determine the fate of the galaxy, and in a short time, he found a family that cared for him like no one had previously. Throughout the film, Finn faced some of life's greatest challenges— He put his life at risk to rescue his friends. His courage was tested at almost every turn, and his determination transformed him from a nameless deserter chasing what is right to a hero and a leader in what appeared to be an unwinnable battle. And Finn found a friend in the mysterious Ray, played by the riveting Daisy Ridley, a fellow Londoner. Ray's journey in The Force Awakens paralleled Luke Skywalker's in A New Hope. Someone who had bigger, wilder dreams, but felt isolated and limited by the path their life had taken them. And in an instant, upon meeting Finn, Ray's life changed forever. She fled her planet and began an incredible adventure in which she encountered Han Solo and Chewbacca, joined Leia and the Resistance, battled and defeated Kylo Ren, and found herself face to face with the mythic Jedi Master, Luke Skywalker. Poe, Finn, and Rey were not only beautiful characters with heart, but they were sources of inspiration for good to audiences everywhere. I'm not with the Resistance, okay? I'm just trying to get away from the First Order. But you tell us where the base is, I'll get you there first. Deal? Droid, please. Pilot driver, hurry. So where's your base? On BBA, tell them. The Ilenium system. Yeah, the Ilenium system. That's the one. Get us there as fast as you can. I'll drop you to Panema Terminal. Hey, Ray, you're a pilot. You can fly anywhere. Why go back? You got a family? Got a boyfriend? Cute boyfriend? None of your business. That's why. Number three, a return to old school filmmaking. While many newer films released today aim to be as slickly designed as possible, bathed in CGI or computer-generated imagery, the filmmakers behind The Force Awakens made the choice to shoot in the style of the originals. That look first began with the medium. J.J. Abrams chose to shoot the movie on film to give it the same tone and texture as the Star Wars films we remember. He also limited the use of green screens and CGI-laden scenes, and chose to film on location and on actual sets whenever possible. The deserts of Abu Dhabi became Ray's home planet of Jakku. The hideout of the Resistance was, in actuality, a former Royal Air Force station in Berkshire, England. Scenes on the new Death Star, Starkiller Base, were filmed in Iceland, and the interior shots were constructed in Pinewood Studios and practical effects were used for even some of the smallest moments. That bread that rises in seconds when Ray is eating her meal outside her repurposed Imperial Walker home? That was science, not CGI. According to special effects supervisor Chris Corbold, it took about three months to engineer a fast-rising loaf with just the right texture and color, but it was worth it in adding to the magic of the film. Our brains are pretty good when it comes to separating reality from a technology that is still relatively new. And the less we have to question, the more we're able to immerse ourselves in the storytelling and environs we see on the silver screen. 
And yes, there are computer-generated scenery and effects in The Force Awakens. But they were used mainly as a last resort, when it was impossible to create them using real-world items and sets. And I think that helped J.J. and company to stretch their imaginations further than they might have gone if they primarily relied upon CGI. In a December 2015 interview with Time magazine, Abrams explained why he pushed for realism in his scenes, his shots, and in his effects. He said, I remember when I was watching Star Wars when I was a kid, and these two droids were walking along the deserts of Tatooine, and I knew they were there. It wasn't some painted background on an interior set. It wasn't some lame visual effect, or even a great matte painting. You knew. They were really building something else. You will remove these restraints and leave this cell with the door open. I will remove these restraints and leave the cell with the door open. And you'll drop your weapon? And I'll drop my weapon. Number four, showing us a new but equally scary spin on the villain. Kylo Ren may be the grandson of Darth Vader, but he is certainly not Darth Vader. Vader was a cold-hearted killer, a nearly silent assassin whose efficiency in striking down his foes was due to his nearly unmatched raw power and skill. Kylo may share that raw power, but it's his uncontrollable rage that fuels him. Whether it is by nature or nurture, he is mentally and emotionally unstable. Where Vader was controlled and calculating, Ren is driven purely by emotions. The events of his past have left him completely broken and hurt, and he is left wildly swinging at anything that stands in his way. And J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan use that instability to create an unhinged villain who has control of nothing, not even himself. And Kylo is paired with General Hux, an equally young powder keg of a leader who is repeatedly ignited by his own immature rage and constant infighting with Ren in the struggle for control over the Empire. Both are vying for the attention of Supreme Leader Snoke and for the role of second-in-command, and the galaxy certainly isn't large enough for the two of them. Imagine two teenagers driven to break things without ever really stopping to question why they did so. Now give one of them the Force and a lightsaber and put them in charge of an armed horde that numbers into the thousands, if not the tens of thousands. And with his grandfather Darth Vader as his idol, you have the making of another deadly Star Wars antagonist. The perfect villain. Capture the droid if we can, but destroy it if we must. How capable are your soldiers, General? I won't have you question my methods. They're obviously skilled at committing high treason. Perhaps Leader Snoke should consider using a clone army. My men are exceptionally trained, programmed from birth. Then they should have no problem retrieving the droid. Unharmed. Careful, Ren. That your personal interests not interfere with orders from Leader Snoke. I want that map. For your sake, I suggest you get it. Number 5. Creating a revolutionary type of droid. C-3PO and R2-D2 are not only two of the most well-known droids in pop culture history, but are two of the most iconic characters ever created. And any attempt to introduce a Star Wars droid would probably be viewed as a failure, because nothing could ever match either of the two, right? Going into the new films, I think many of us expected to see some variation of the two or three-legged astromech droids we saw in previous films and shows. But BB-8 was nothing like any of the droids we'd seen previously, 
He was modeled in that weathered, vintage Star Wars style we easily recognize, like he definitely belonged in the galaxy George Lucas created. But he was a technological marvel, a gyroscopic dome on top of a metallic ball. And he didn't wheel around like R2 or totter around like 3PO. He rolled at high speeds. He had his own sounds and tone, and his movements were childlike and human. And the figure we saw in the film could be replicated in reality as well, as BB-8 magically rolled across the stage at events like Celebration prior to the film's release. BB-8 is movie-making come to life, and a droid we've come to love. It wasn't long before Star Wars fans became infatuated with BB-8. For me, it was the moment in the film in which Finn, trying to convince Rey that he was part of the Resistance, looked to BB-8 to share the location of their base. Once the droid consented and helped out his new friend, Finn gave him an encouraging thumbs up. BB-8 responded with a similar gesture, using an internal rod and lighter to mimic an arm and a hand. It was at once sweet and funny, and the audience roared and cheered at the sight of it. But the key in that moment was the connection that was forming between two new heroes and an all-new droid. And one of the highlights of the past few years has been witnessing the love that younger children have for BB-8. Maybe it's his round and pleasing shape, or in the way he moves and the speed at which he does so, or simply his lovable childlike personality. But one thing's for sure, BB-8 is a droid for a new era, one we've never seen before in the Star Wars universe. What's your hurry, thief? What? Thief? Ow! Hey, what? The jacket. This droid says you stole it. I've had a pretty messed up day, all right? So I'd appreciate it if you stopped accusing me. Stop! Stop it! Number six, separating Han and Leia. If the celebration on Endor at the end of Return of the Jedi was the result of the actions of our heroes united, the events leading up to The Force Awakens gave us a look at a family divided. For many who grew up with the original trilogy, the Return of the Jedi finale was a moment of bliss, almost a living snapshot of joy, comfort, and peace, framed in that final sequence forever. And I think many of us expected our heroes' lives to stay that way. But the story that J.J. and Larry and the entire writing crew told next was a bold one. Reintroducing Luke as a self-exiling mystery was surprising to say the least, but it gave the new story a direction and a purpose. Find Luke Skywalker. However, learning that the fairy tale relationship between the princess and the smuggler was over was emotionally jarring, and some would even say traumatic. For many fans who dealt with the harsh realities of divorce and separation in their own lives, Han and Leia were always a stable entity, an anchor, even if it was only a fantasy. And in returning to theaters to see the characters of the films of our childhood return, I'm sure a part of us, deep down, expected to see them as we remember them. J.J. and Larry gave the Han and Leia story an emotional arc, the fracturing of a couple after the loss of a child. It happens to those around them. I truly believe that if this new film trilogy had been made in the 1990s, a decade after the original one concluded or even in the early 2000s, it probably would have been a lighter story, and one closer to that of our dreams, one in which Han and Leia are still happily married, and Luke is a brother to both of them. And whether they would have had to reunite as heroes during that first film, or whether the movie would have started out with the group already together on an adventure, they all would have been battling the same enemy to save the galaxy again. But a continuation of Return of the Jedi, set in 2015, 32 years later, 
As Abrams and Kasdan showed us, the Jedi, the Smuggler, and the Princess are wounded individuals, each dealing with the consequences of the decisions they made and with the loss that drives them away from one another. The story of the Skywalker family has never been an easy one to experience. But amongst the brokenness, the hurt, the anger, and the devastation of loss, there's always been a beacon of hope. Han and Leia truly never stopped loving each other, and their reunion before Han's final act gave them a chance to reconcile and to work together to protect the future of the galaxy one more time. We lost our son forever. No way. It was Snoke. He seduced our son to the dark side, but we can still save him. Me. You. If Luke couldn't reach him, how could I? Luke is a Jedi. You're his father. There's still light in him. I know it. Number seven, killing Han Solo. When Kasdan was working on The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, Harrison Ford pushed for Han Solo to die in the trilogy, that he would heroically sacrifice his life to save his friends. He argued that Solo's transformation from a smuggler who only thought about himself as means of survival to someone who selflessly lays down his life for others would be the strongest and most meaningful arc for his character. Apparently, he lost the argument to creator George Lucas because of the lucrative merchandising potential of a character like Han Solo. And 32 years after Return of the Jedi hit theaters, Ford finally got his wish for the fate of Han Solo. And while it's an accepted part of the Star Wars story now, the idea to kill him off in the first episode of the new trilogy was a terrifying idea for Abrams and Kasdan. What would losing someone like Han Solo mean for Star Wars? Was Han too adored to die? And how would the fans respond? But from a story perspective, there was a sense of justification to the path they were taking with The Force Awakens. When asked about his decision to kill one of the greatest film heroes ever, J.J. Abrams had this to say. Star Wars had the greatest villain in cinema history. So how you bring a new villain into that world is a very tricky thing. We knew we needed to do something bold. The only reason why Kylo Ren has any hope of being a worthy successor is because we lose one of the most beloved characters. Ben! Han Solo, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Take off that mask. You don't need it. What do you think you'll see if I do? The face of my son. Number eight, making Star Wars funny and character-centric again. Lightsabers, Wookiees, Stormtroopers, Jedi. These are all pieces of what makes Star Wars unique. But one of the most crucial and underrated aspects of Lucas's original trilogy was its sense of humor. At times, the Skywalker story can be dark and heavy. And when used properly, humor helps to lighten the tone and to heighten the sense of adventure. In the first trilogy, the interaction between the characters and the sweet, sometimes sarcastic, but always sharp banter helped each film to crackle with an electricity that kept audiences tuning in for repeat viewings. The comedy in Star Wars was charismatic. It not only made us laugh, but made us like the characters even more, and connect with them on a deeper level. 
And through these connections, we cared about where this space journey led each of them. And humor in the Star Wars scripts had a significant purpose, beyond making us laugh. The moments of comedy propelled the story forward, sometimes revealing the true feelings of a character, or adding to the development of another. The acerbic lines between Han and Leia created a romantic tension that eventually led to their first kiss in the Millennium Falcon, and to the iconic, I love you, I know, lines from The Empire Strikes Back and later reversed in Return of the Jedi. The kooky nature of the old green creature who irritated Luke on Dagobah made Yoda's reveal as a serious and powerful Jedi Master that much more profound. And with many modern films, humor is often sacrificed for a slicker, more serious, and edgier action story. Or it is used to merely make audiences laugh in the moment, without contributing to the lasting experience of a solidly constructed film. In The Force Awakens, comedy is the connective tissue— Abrams and Kasdan use it sparingly, as not to disrupt the thread of urgency that weaves itself throughout the length of the film. The playful, energetic exchanges between Finn and Rey at the beginning creates a rhythm and a bond between them that justifies the strength of their connection throughout the rest of the movie, especially as the threat of danger increases. And Abrams and Kasdan bless Han Solo with a sarcasm that harkens back to our earliest memory of the smuggler on screen. In the film, Han uses humor to connect to the other characters. And through his wit, he offers fatherly advice to both Rey and Finn. And he lovingly goes toe-to-toe one more time with Leia, as they look back on their lives as a couple, lament the loss of their son, and fight one more battle together. And his one-liners with his best friend and sidekick Chewbacca only further cement a bond established over the decades. The Force Awakens is funny. And when it comes to Star Wars films, humor is like the Force. It is a most powerful ally. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? The old man gave it to you. It's just very hard to understand you with all the... Search him. Apparatus. Okay. Stay calm. Stay calm. I am calm. I'm talking to myself. Han Solo, the rebellion general? No, the smuggler. Wasn't he a war hero? What are you going to do? Same thing I always do, talk my way out of it. Yes, I do. Every time. Where's my boyfriend? Chewie's working on the Falcon. I like that Wookiee. I'm a big deal in the Resistance, which puts a real target on my back. Are there any conspirators here? Like First Order sympathizers? Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Goodness! Han Solo! It is I, C-3PO. You probably don't recognize me because of the red arm. Look who it is! Did you see who... Uh, uh, Then how do you know how to disable the shields? I don't. I'm just here to get Ray. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Oh, really? You're cold? Come on. Number nine, creating a memorable character-focused soundtrack. It's safe to say that nothing will ever compare to John Williams' original trilogy soundtrack. At the time he created the first themes for Star Wars, music scores were leaning heavily into more modern sounds, using instruments and technology of the era. 
Lucas instead chose a more traditional style of instrumental music, composed by a symphony. And the result? A timeless, passionate score that still feels fresh and magical, even 40 years later. And for a man who's been creating the atmosphere of the world of Star Wars for more than 40 years, John Williams found a way to not only breathe new life into old themes, but to structure intimately styled accompaniments to characters introduced in The Force Awakens. Ray's theme is the essence of the from-nothing-to-something trajectory that many of the Star Wars heroes and heroines take in the stories. What starts off as a lowly and nomadic scavenger-like flute morphs into a sweeping, majestic piece. It crescendos with an almost regal interpretation of the notes that identify this mysterious girl we first meet on Jakku. And at its essence, displays the hope that comes with her awakening. Kylo Ren's theme, first introduced with his ship touching down on Jakku, is a simple but instantly recognizable five-note run, almost a shortened imperial march. Its power is in its economy, because those five notes invoke a sense of dread, and it works without needing any visuals. It's a strained horn that calls out, almost as a warning to the viewer, as the strings pulse underneath. And yet the old favorites return in achingly beautiful ways. Leia's theme reappears when she and Han are reunited. And the Force theme reaches through the screen at just the right times and surrounds us like the moving, powerful presence it is in the films. But perhaps there is no more powerful moment than that last scene of The Force Awakens. Williams weaves a compelling and mysterious musical narrative with tinges of sadness, driving us toward an unforgettable climax. And just as the music dies down, and we are left breathless by the hooded figure on the cliff, he fills the atmosphere with a Force theme, leaving it be the only voice that speaks in that moment. A cry from one who finds herself suddenly imbued with the Force to one who is master of it.
Number 10, saving Luke until the last scene. The decision to reveal Luke at the end of the film was not only incredibly bold and risky, but it really took a character we knew and loved and elevated him to another level. It also results in becoming arguably one of the biggest and most talked about cliffhangers in a film series since The Empire Strikes Back. We follow Rey as she lands on the island of Octo to find Luke Skywalker. And as the film begins its final act, we know what's coming. The anticipation is palpable. After 32 years, we are finally going to be reunited with the Jedi Knight from Tatooine. But we have no idea what to expect. We haven't seen him, and we know next to nothing about him. And as Rey walks up those Jedi steps on Ireland's Skellig Michael, we finally catch a glimpse of Luke. He stares at her, and into the camera at us, his audience, and we see the brokenness in his eyes. But he doesn't say a word. The music crescendos, the camera pulls back to get a helicopter's view of the scene before dissolving into the closing credits. And we are left sitting silently stunned in our seats, with the remnants of tears outlining our cheeks. We don't know what to say. We don't even know where to begin. But for the first time in 32 years, for a fleeting second, we saw Luke Skywalker again. That one moment completely mythicized a character we all thought we knew so well. Someone who seemed so human to us was now godlike, on top of his own mountain in the middle of his island on a planet somewhere in the galaxy. The question leading into the movie was, where is Luke Skywalker? The question then became, who is Luke Skywalker? And once we left the theater, we had to endure a two-year wait for the answer. Shortly after the film's release, comedian Chris Rock remarked that The Force Awakens should win an Oscar for the greatest ending of all time. And I wholeheartedly agree. In the era of a Disney-owned Star Wars, content has been plentiful. Audiences have been blessed with a new Star Wars film each year, and home viewers will now have an influx of new series like The Mandalorian on the Disney Plus streaming service. Vacationers can travel to the world of Batuu at Disney parks on both U.S. coasts for an immersive experience, navigating the Millennium Falcon and taking part in the battle between the Resistance and the First Order. Star Wars Celebration has never been more popular, with tens of thousands of tickets selling out almost immediately for the multi-day convention. Whether it's on screen, or on your shelves, or on your tour itinerary, Star Wars is everywhere. And for many of us, it's tough to remember a time without Star Wars. In the past four years, the franchise has returned to the forefront of popular culture. For those of us who grew up with the original trilogy or with the prequels, it's a chance to continue the stories we know, with the characters we love. And for a new generation, it's a chance to capture the magic of Star Wars with all new characters created just for them. And The Force Awakens was much more than a film. It was that first step that kicked off this new era. J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan, and the team responsible for crafting the first part of the new trilogy in the Skywalker saga faced a challenge larger and more monumental than any of us could ever imagine. 
And when you think about it in those terms, in many ways, they really pulled off what was thought to be impossible. The Force Awakens brought back characters we never thought we'd see again in a Star Wars film. And it introduced us to new ones that have become just as popular and just as beloved. In an industry packed with CGI-splattered effects and scenery, Abrams and Kasdan returned to the old-school style of filmmaking, and they made Star Wars delightfully funny and exciting again. They introduced a terrifyingly unstable new villain, as well as a revolutionary new type of droid. And they separated and reunited Han Solo and Leia Organa, and shockingly killed off the former, and paved the way for the latter to display her rightful inheritance of the Force. And under the music of another character-defining soundtrack by John Williams, they created a film that began to answer the question, Who is Luke Skywalker? Ray, may the Force be with you. <laughs> 